to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? It's going great, as usual. How are you, David? Doing pretty good. Um, it has been a very uh, eventful couple of days, or really, I guess, last, what, 20 hours in the sports world. Um, as we are talking, it is Thursday morning. Um, and last night, a lot of the sports world went on hit pause and maybe stop even in, in some cases. Um, it started in the NBA with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks going on strike uh, before their game against the Magic. Um, they decided not to play out of protest following the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. Uh, over the weekend, I think I saw Kenosha's about 40 minutes, 40 miles from Milwaukee. So obviously hits very close to home for them. Uh, the NBA and the Players Association responded by postponing all Wednesday games. It sounds like all Thursday games are going to be postponed as well. So they're in a total, total holding pattern there. Um, MLB, I think three games uh, were postponed uh, after players decided not to play. In the MLS, I think all but one game was postponed, including uh, the Inter-Miami game, uh, which was down here in Fort Lauderdale. Supposed to be down here in Fort Lauderdale last night before it went on hold. Um, Several NFL practices uh, did not happen over the last couple days as players are kind of trying to make a statement. Um, And I think the natural question for for us is, will it trickle down to college football and, and specifically, I guess, to Miami um, as far as I know, and, and you know, this might change by the time you guys listen to this and, and more teams have kind of gone through their daily media stuff uh, on Thursday, as far as I have seen and I'm aware of, no teams have decided to like not practice today because of uh, the protests. No teams have made any you know, big declarations about their plans moving forward, but it, it, doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see some of that uh, in the next, you know, five, six hours here as teams have their uh, training camp practices. Yeah, I, I agree. Once, once it starts, it will snowball, um, and it's, it's still early. And, and uh, like you said, the players are just getting together now and, and practices and all that. Um, I don't think Miami practices today. Yeah, I believe they're off. Uh, and we, we don't have availability today or Friday. Um, so, uh, we, you know, we're going to have to see what happens. But uh, obviously, uh, Coach Manny Diaz already um, said something on Twitter about it. Um, you know, UM coaches have been very out there about the Black Lives Matter movement um, and social injustice, racial injustice. And, um, and Derek King, the quarterback, tweeted uh, on Wednesday night, it's so normal for things like that to happen in our country, crazy. And then he hashtagged Jacob Blake, the man who was shot several times and now apparently paralyzed. Um, so, I, you know, David, I um, wow, that would be something, wouldn't it, if, if the college kids decide to not practice or not play games. I mean, at as it is now with the coronavirus, um, you know, like UM, or, excuse me, the ACC already announced that North Carolina State game mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, you know, was going to be po- one of their games is going to be postponed until I think September 26, um, because they've had a you know they've had some uh, several positives uh, as far as coronavirus. So what I'm saying is it's just so topsy turvy now. Anyway, it's so crazy that w- this is one more thing, and, and I, you know, it's obviously it's an important thing, and if it happens, what? what I mean, what the heck, with, with everything now going on and everything revised and you never know from day to day, uh, it makes me think more and more that it'll be a miracle. I mean, a miracle, I think that anyway, to get this season through really the way it's supposed to be as far as college football. Yeah, so I guess the interesting thing is, we, as we were talking, it's actually exactly two weeks out from Miami season opener. Um <laughs> So, you know, I think there's one FCS game maybe this weekend, a couple more games the following weekend. Um, You know, who knows how long these sort of protests are going to go for this latest um, police shooting of of a black man. Um, But, you know, the news cycle moves so quickly. Who knows what this is going to look like in two weeks? Like, I, I think it's too early to necessarily think, you know, to expect that. College football games and NFL games, which which start that same weekend too, um, are going to be um, you know the subject of, of strikes and protests and stuff like that. Um, I, as I said, you know a couple NFL teams decided not to practice over the last uh, really forty eight hours. I think even before the Bucks, I think uh, I think the Lions yesterday earlier in the day decided not to practice. Um, Basically, in protest to the to the shooting in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, yeah. that's something I, I, I think you know is it as effective as you know the NBA, you know, not playing playoff games. You know, it's, it's not as big a story, but it's still you know it gets a headline. It may, continues generating the conversation around this, and it you know it's kind of the solidarity that that all these athletes in, in sports that are. Um, you know, particularly NFL, um, your football and basketball, majority black sports, um, just kind of a reminder that they're all in this together. It's not just about, you know, obviously, you know, the, the people getting shot and the, you know, and the, the people on the streets protesting. But, you know, as I talked about, we recorded um, a heat podcast yesterday uh, with Anthony and we also brought on uh, Isaiah Smalls who covers, you know, black lives in Miami. And, you know, we talked about basically the idea that they're all affected by it. You know, the, in the NBA, uh, Sterling Brown on the Bucks is currently suing the Milwaukee police department for a racial profiling and excessive force case. Um, you know, Thabo Cephalosha five years ago with the Hawks, uh, had his leg broken by the New York police department and missed the Hawks playoff run. Like it's, um, it, it affects them directly. And, I think particularly football and basketball players um, standing in solidarity or just, you know, it serves as a reminder to people who don't, you know, who are on the opposite side of this issue that a lot of their life would be changed if these, you know, majority black sports were not there entertaining you, entertaining you. And for them, it's so scary. I mean, if you're if you're a black person and you have a, 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 a children of any age, I mean, I, I think about this all the time. You know, I'd be petrified to have a, a black teenage son, black teenage daughter, you know, driving for the first time or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I totally, totally understand and support personally what they're doing. I think it's okay and it's important and it affects their lives. As you know, David, as far as college yeah. age guys go, I mean, <laughs> they're all, they're also kids that yeah, they're they're quote unquote some of them are high profile famous when they're on the playing field, right? Or mm-hmm. when the fans are talking about them, but you know, also they're they're just as uh, you know likely to get stopped on the street driving or or whatever, and the, you know they have a stake in this too. Um, I think the one the one thing for them is that I mean, the pros already have their contracts yeah. and their money. I don't know how you know. Obviously, all this affects everything, but um, the players in high pro, in Power Five conferences who are maybe better. Um, all these teams, Miami included, um, you know, they they want to get into the draft eventually. They want to go on to the next level, and if their season collapses, uh, it's a problem, except that the NCAA already has said that this season uh, will be a do-over. Next year will be right. a do-over, that they'll all save their eligibility, and, and so uh, at least they have they have that knowing that God forbid they can't get the season in, they can choose to come back next year and play at, at the same um, the same year. You know, if you're a junior this year, you're a junior next year. If you're a redshirt freshman, you can be a redshirt freshman. That kind of thing. So thankfully they have that. Yeah, and the other challenge I would say is just the fact that you know all these other professional leagues have their unions basically you know they are they're in this together you know as we who knows what's going to happen with the nba over the next 24 hours but you know they held an all-hands meeting basically last night um to kind of discuss their next course of action and you know there was some disagreement reportedly about what paths the nba can take but they have the infrastructure in place to kind of talk through um whatever their next steps are going to be whether you know they're going to make some sort of list of demands or, or whether they're just going to outright cancel the season or go on strike for the rest of the season, forcing the NBA to cancel the season. Um, college football just, you know, does not have, it's the same thing we talked about, what, two or three weeks ago um, with, you know, kind of the, we want to play movement. Um, there's no, we want to play and now it might be, we don't want to play. Yeah. And there's no, there's no infrastructure in place to kind of, formulate a, a cohesive collective plan. It's all going to have to be done on the fly. Um, and, you know, as we know, a lot of these administrators, their biggest fear is basically that these, these players continue to wield power and, and gain power and gain influence within the sport um, because, you know, that kind of goes against the way that a lot of them believe that college football should be run. Um, so we'll see if there's some, if it's just going to be team by team thing. Again, I think some teams sitting out practice is, I would say likely um, over the next couple of days. Um, and we'll obviously see where that takes us over the next uh, few weeks as we get really close to the start of the season. And then the other thing is with the NBA, I mean, a big part of this is, you know, they went to Orlando and part of the fear there was that something like this would happen again. Um, and they would be a distraction uh, for this. And obviously you know, they had kind of the hammer to use where they, when something like this happened again, they could, um, you know, do do what they did on Wednesday and use that to, to kind of gather momentum behind their cause. 
Um, yep. You know, some point in this college football season, there's a really good chance something like this is going to happen again, just based on statistics and based on the way our society is going. Like, there's a good chance something like this is going to happen again on a Friday going into a college football Saturday. Um, and, you know, what are players going to do when most of the country can stop thinking about it for, you know, 48 hours to watch a couple of college football games on Saturday and a couple of NFL games on Sunday? Yep. I mean, players do know now they have power. They yeah. have college players. So, anyway, I will – we have yet to see it, and the thing about it is every, like you said, every minute there's something new. So, yeah. see. Um, you mentioned Manny Diaz showing his support on Twitter. I think I've seen a couple other coaches. Um, you know, not just since uh, the Bucks decision, but but also, um, you know, just since the, the shooting. Um, we kind of lauded the coaching staff uh, after the George Floyd killing, which is obviously kind of this watershed moment this year. Um, how do you, do you have any sense of, you know, just knowing Manny Diaz, knowing, you know, we obviously last time we saw them uh, all gather in the football facility, you know, for kind of a moment of solidarity. Do you, do you, I have to think they're going to do something, even if they don't sit out practice. It feels like they're going to have to do something um, in the next whatever forty-eight hours. Next time they practice, I'm sure they. I'm sure they've all talked about it. And Manny, like he says, he likes to over-communicate, and yeah. um, he thinks it's important. I'm sure they've all gathered, and uh, that he's he's too smart, and he wants to kind of be proactive in this. I would think, and he's probably talking to everybody, and they're probably talking it out, and we'll we'll see. We'll see soon enough if, you know, on Twitter, on Instagram, if we start seeing mm-hmm. a lot of uh, unified messages. So, All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back with a little bit of football talk because we actually have some, uh, some news on that end to get into, um, plus just another week of practice in the books. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, uh, we are back. Um... For some football talk, we can go a couple of different directions. You want to go? Let's start first with actually the news um, of the week, which is fans being allowed at Hard Rock Stadium this season. Uh, you were out at that press conference on what was that Monday? Monday, I think Tuesday. Yep. Um, okay. The plan: thirteen thousand fans. Is that the correct number? Uh, basically, twenty to twenty-five percent capacity uh, will be allowed inside the stadium for both Dolphins and 
Hurricanes games. And that includes uh, this game coming up in two weeks, right? That September 10th opener against UAB. Yes, that does include it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty, I guess I should say surprised, but not surprised, right? Like I knew they wanted to try to do something like this. Like that's obvious. Everyone wants to try to do something like this. Um, I, I, I was surprised I was, that it was happening for week one, basically. Really, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, I, mean, I talked to, I had a phone conversation with athletic director Blake James the week, previous week, mm-hmm. last week, actually. And he said that, you know, he's still thinking in his own mind there's going to be no fans. But honestly, I, I, I think he knew already. I mean, that's just a guess. I don't know for yeah. sure. But I, 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 I mean, maybe they didn't say it for sure definitively, but I think he knew there probably was going to be some people. And I think that way you, you're safe. We've talked about this. Just in case they say no fans, yeah, uh, then, you know, he – People are set up for it. If they do say fans, and the people are all excited, the fans that want to go. Um, so, um, I, I actually was not surprised. I think they badly wanted to get fans yeah. in there. Uh, I don't know if it was the right decision. I don't. I wouldn't like to be one of the fans. That's for sure. I, I mean, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't love the idea personally. Um, I. You know, it's one thing to play. Um, and I, I think that's going to be tough enough, but I, you know, I, I'm not against them trying to play and see what happens. I've said that already, but, mm-hmm. um, but then that's a, a group, you know, they all know what they're in for whatever. When you're putting 13,000 fans and that's not including the people that are working at the stadium right. and come on, David, as soon as think about it, think about a Dolphins game, let alone a Canes game. Uh, when something good happens for the Dolphins, let's say, let's start with the good, and everybody's going to be screaming. What's the worst thing you could do? Mask or yeah. screaming? I, the masks are going to be off. Yeah, so that's ha- that's kind of where I stand. Is like in theory, you know, if you can enforce these guidelines, you know, the the so the social distancing built into the seating maps and um, you you know, masks on at all time. But yeah, that's the challenge. It's Everything we talk about has been good in theory, but it's a lot harder to execute. You um, can't. You can't. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe that for a second. Screaming people, emotional, angry people at certain plays or whatever. Um, and every time, listen, I've been on, I've been on a couple flights already that I had to take, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, so people, people, they have these monitors. I mean, come on, that are walking around the stadium. And you're allowed to eat and drink, yeah. fine. What happens is everybody holds, just like on a plate, they hold their water bottle up when, when a guard, security guard comes by. If their mask is off, they hold their water bottle up like they're drinking water or something. I mean, I know I'm a cynic, but it's true. Uh, I mean, that people are going to have their, I think, masks off, masks under their noses, masks hanging, whatever. And, um, I, I, and, and, and there's no... Quote, unquote, no tailgating, but come on. How are you going to stop? And they're opening the gates two hours early, but there's no tailgating. Now, right. I, come on, we, we all know maybe there won't be a grill outside or whatever the heck they set up, you know, outside the car, but they'll be in there getting drunk in the cars. There's still alcohol that's going to be sold. Everybody's going to be drinking in their vans and cars once they get there two hours early or 
earlier than usual, and uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to work as far as people keeping their masks on. But that's who, that's their decision. Yeah, it's like again, like I said, it's it's all about if it works. Like if you, the, I'm sure the plan's good. It's kind of the same thing we talked about with the you know bringing students back to campus and all that. If the plan. Yeah, I'm sure the plan's good, but it's impossible to factor in that human uh, irresponsibility, I guess I would say. Um, like I said, I'm I'm not surprised they're trying this at some point. I'm a little surprised, cause especially because the Dolphins don't open until the following weekend at home. They open on the road for that opener um, on right. the 13th. I thought maybe they would like hold off and like let the Dolphins basically do the test run, um, especially because no. no. we're getting close to – you know, a lot of the recommendations, you know, the under 5%, you know, we're not there yet. That That's, we're getting close, yeah. but we're no, not I, there yet. And I'm just, my concern, it's kind of the same issue, I think. You know, The schools, obviously, in Dade County and, and Broward County are not going in person yet, but in a lot of the state they are. Um, and my right. concern is just we're going to get really close, kind of like we did the first time we had the, the second bounce. We're going to get really close and then, you know, we're going to get a little greedy and try to reopen things, you know, two weeks too soon. And it's going to, you know, we're going to be right back in the same place we started again um, in a yeah, month. Totally agree. And I, and I don't, I think it's more than that. I, I mean, I think the people, for example, I, you know, maybe I'm paranoid about it or I'm a little older. I just wouldn't want to, like, I, if, if I were a big UM fan, I would not want to be one of those 13,000. I wouldn't. I'd watch it on TV. There's no way I'd bring my kid, any of my family members, and I just think that a lot of the people, let's think about this through, mm-hmm. Those a lot of those 13,000 people are people that probably, maybe, well, I, should, I don't know how many, but probably a good number think it's all exaggerated and, you know, the mask thing, and you can't really catch it if you have a mask and who, you know, they're sick of it all. And I think the people that are really um, worried about it more and think it's crazy are the people that aren't going to go anyway. So I, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it should be interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, let's finish up with some actual, like, on the field football talk. Um, Miami had its second scrimmage on Saturday at an undisclosed location somewhere in South Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. the first scrimmage, all the reports were, man, this offense looks good. De'Ara King looks great. Um, and then of course we find out in the next couple of days, you know, a lot of the defensive players didn't play, particularly the defensive line was really shorthanded. Um, Mm -hmm. the reports coming out this week, uh, was that those defensive linemen, I guess made a, made a difference. Um, Nesta Silvera, John Ford, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, guys who were all either did not play or I think were limited in that first scrimmage. Uh, all were back, and the offense did not fare quite as well, which obviously I think is basically what we expected. Yeah, that, that's a good, I, that defensive line's really good. Like it's going to still be the strength of the team, even if the Air King is great. The strength of this team is probably still going to be the defense. But usually, uh, usually in all the years I've been covering UM, I mean the defense almost always uh, wins the scrimmages. Yeah, and it probably should be that way. Honestly, uh, I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they, I guess they didn't do as well as we thought. You know, the, the bottom line here is we haven't seen, seen anything. 
Yeah, Barry Jackson just just tweeted Hurricanes practice <laughs> today. Uh-huh. That's great. Okay, just now, the second. Yep. So um, there you go. And also, it, 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 right when we were taking our break for this podcast, somebody tweeted out that I think BC, Boston yep, College. Yeah, Boston College did not practice today, according to Pete yeah, Campbell. Lives matter, I think. So it's all it's all happening. But but anyway, the scrimmage, um, you know, it's we haven't seen it. I, yeah. I just have to say, whatever reports we get are University of Miami telling us what they want to tell us. Yes. About the scrimmage, giving us numbers that they want to give us. What I don't know if they're correct or not. I'm I have no idea. None of the media is allowed to watch. We haven't seen one play. The one practice, one whatever. So, you know, everything is based on what UM chooses to tell us. Yeah, so, uh, I'm basically working under the assumption the statistics they give us, like the raw numbers, like, you know, Cam Harris ran for 75 yards and two touchdowns. Like, I'm working under the assumption that stuff is all accurate, but I know yeah, some people like, get excited about these videos that, like, come out after all these scrimmages. Like, but, come on. But, but, like, <laughs> that might be true. I mean, I'm sure that's right. Cam Harris runs for blank yards. But what happens if, I'm not saying he did, okay, but what happens if Cam or anybody fumbles? Right, that's the stuff we're not getting. They tell us that as well? No. You know, do they tell us, uh, you know know what I'm saying? So. We hear about interceptions happening because you can spin that as a positive for the defense. Yeah, but there's a lot obviously missing. You know, it's take everything with a grain of salt, basically. And, um. And at the same time, we also just don't know, you know, who they're doing stuff against. Like, did Cam, did he have 60 of his yards on one run against a bunch of walk-ons? Like, probably not, but it's possible. Like, we don't know. Yeah, we just, we just don't know. I mean, I, we know because what we've seen last year, we know Cam Harris is a good, really good running back. And we know uh, that, I know we're going to talk about the freshman, right? The freshman running back, I, I, you know, I just posted a story yesterday on uh, on Jalen Rooster Knighton and and Donald Cheney Jr. Um, they're they're excellent. We knew that from high school. Mm-hmm. They I think they've been doing well in the scrimmage. Um, they're great to interview. They're yeah. great, really nice 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 kids. Good interviews. So you know. We, we know, there's certain things we know. Xavier Restrepo, also Deerfield Beach, uh, young rece- freshman receiver. Um, he's supposedly really, really impressive. I mean, there's certain guys we know. And the rest of it, as far as how, like the offensive line, do we really know? I, no. I we have no doing? idea. Not really. We have no idea. Um, but, yeah, we've kind of been beating around the, uh, the Cam Harris thing. He was, I guess, again, a massive quote. He was the quote-unquote star of the scrimmage, it sounds like, um, scoring a couple touchdowns. Um, you mentioned Cheney and Knighton as two guys who, you know, were kind of the stars of the first scrimmage, and, you know, the hype is building around them. Um, I know there's been a lot of hype around De'Ara King and this passing attack and what this can look like, and, you know, De'Ara King is probably – you know, definitely one of the most talented guys on this offense, but I still kind of feel like this is going to be a really run-heavy team um, based on what we are – based on the reports we're getting. Again, we don't really know. Maybe Derek King looks incredible. Um, but yeah. 
you know, I still feel like this team is going to lean really heavily on Cam Harris. And, and I guess I, I try not to get too caught up in the freshman hype because I kind of felt like we went through the same thing last year with, with Jeremiah Payton, where it was like every time we talked to them, they were talking about how good Jeremiah Payton was. And they made it right. sound like he was going to be in that wide receivers rotation. And then he you know barely played when the regular season got here. But um, I mean, those running backs are the real deal based on what we know in high school. Uh, no, from them in high school. Um, so I still kind of feel like this is going to be a uh, pretty run-heavy team, even if Derek King is going to give them a boost um, in the passing game in a way they didn't have last year, especially because you know, who knows about this offensive line situation, as you said. We have not seen a second of what that group looks like. it got to stay healthy, David. I mean, I, really, out of all the positions, running backs yeah. get injured. So much, and I know Cheney's coming off shoulder surgery yep. in January, and you know it seems like Jalen Knighton, just from the numbers they're giving us, okay, mm-hmm. like he's a little more successful uh, in the scrimmages. But but remember, Cheney, I know there was only four spring practices, but Cheney was not practicing right. at all in the spring, um, and um, it, and and Robert Burns, right, senior, yep. Uh, who's been injured much of his career, and he finally had his first career touchdown against Duke last year, the last regular mm-hmm. season game. Um, he, it's, uh, Eric Hickson, the running backs coach yesterday, told us, had a weird answer. We haven't seen him in any scrimmages. We haven't heard about him. So I think he, he must be injured or something. Again, I'm, I, because he said, yeah, he's he should. I know the way he made it seem was like, yeah, he should be ready to go, should be ready or something like that. So we need those guys to be healthy, including Robert Burns, I think. They need. Yeah, that position is kind of thin, honestly. When you're, you know, it sounds like they're on a lean really heavily. You know, based, again, based on what we have heard, it sounds like these freshman running backs are are getting a lot of playing time. And, you know, anytime you're leaning on freshmen, it just kind of means you're thin at that position. As good as those guys might be. You know, it just means yeah, they're no, a little thin there. For sure. For sure. Um, the other standouts, I don't know, do you remember any any other stats that popped out to you from that scrimmage? It seems like the, the freshman wide receivers are uh, going, that's the other spot where they might lean heavily on uh, that class because Xavier Ostrepo seems to be putting up numbers every week. Keyshawn Smith, I know, has gotten some people excited. Um, right. Anything else you got kind of from yeah, that scrimmage think, that stood think, out to you? Um, Tyler Van Dyke, apparently, UM reported that he completed four or five passes for 205 yards, by the way, <laughs> in the second scrimmage. Four or five, and one touchdown and one pick. Um, but Lashley, Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator, still won't say who the backup is. I, 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 if I had to put money on it, which, of course, I won't, but if I had to, I would say that they will announce or maybe not announce anything. They yeah, don't I don't think they're going to announce a backup. I, I would guess they do, like, Nikosi, Tate Martell, or as the backup yeah, on the depth chart. I, I, I think it's going to be Nikosi, and yeah, I me think too. that's my guess, a pretty educated guess. And I think um, that they, you know, they, they listen, they released Tyler Dyke's stats, at least what they said he did, and, and – they were really good staff, except for the pick. So I, I, I think they know he's going to be part of that future, if not, you know, the near future. So, uh, but they, they don't want to say he's the backup now, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it sounds like, you know, Van Dyke is gonna, I would guess, like, pretty much guaranteed to redshirt just based on the guys they have ahead of him. Like, that's... I don't think a real, I don't think he is a Well, I, I, think I guess everyone, back. I guess everyone redshirts, right? So it's weird. Like, I'm not banking on him playing this year, I guess is what I should say. this year well maybe like in a blowout or something but they're not he's like third or fourth on the depth chart i guess yeah but i think he'll get some they're gonna yeah i think he's gonna get some playing they don't want anybody injured but i bet he gets in games which is my guess i i think almost all of them will how excited how excited are you about all this uh deerfield hype on the roster you're like the queen of deerfield beach i know i asked uh i I asked Jalen yesterday. I said, "Listen, I'm, I'm UM in, in recent years, and many years, really, except for Derek Crudup. He was the last Deerfield player back. to commit to Miami yeah. before Knighton and Restrepo. And when, when Ken Dorsey went out for one play or two plays, and then left in the Ohio State national championship game, Derek Crudup, I think, I'm pretty sure, came in for a couple plays. But, but the the thing is that I so I asked Jalen um, what it was like for UM to be so they seem to be noticing Deerfield again and getting obviously good I mean Jalen and Restrepo two really yeah. fine players and he said and I said I wasn't asking him because all three of my kids uh, graduated from Deerfield High School and he laughed but um he said that when, when UM coaches or whomever came from UM to watch him that first time mm-hmm. play, he was so excited. And, um, <laughs> and you know, he did, like all his teammates said, man, that never happens. You know, those guys don't usually come. So, um, yeah, he said it was a very exciting moment. And, uh, and they're all aware of it, you know. They're proud of it. Yeah, there were a lot of misses in the time between Derek Crudup and uh, this these two guys, Denard Robinson mm-hmm. going to Michigan, Jerry Judy going to uh, Alabama, I think Jason Pierre-Paul <laughs> going to um, USF was in that same time period. What is it, Jordan Scarlett? Am I saying it right, Jordan Scarlett? Yeah, Jordan Scarlett Scar- to uh, Florida, right? He went to Florida, but he was committed to, committed to Miami, Miami, and then he yeah. switched to Florida, so yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of misses in the time between uh, Derek Crudup, who had an unmemorable career at Miami, and and uh, these two guys who are, um, it, and it sounds like they're going to, you know, they're obviously like long-term pieces of the puzzle for Miami, but it also sounds like there's a good chance they're going to play this year. Um, and Deerfield, oh, yeah. and Deerfield yeah. is, um, you know, they have a, a track record of putting guys uh, – in the pros, mm-hmm. you know, they are perennially one of the best teams here down South Florida. Jason Strobridge is another one uh, who went to North Carolina and tormented Miami for like two <laughs> years, really, right? Like it felt like every time they played North Carolina, he had a big game. Obviously, now he's on the Dolphins. Um, hey, how about Jerry Judy? Yeah, Jerry Judy is probably the big one. The Him and Denard are the two big misses Miami had in that time period. As guys yep. who went on to become true, like legit superstars in college that, that slipped out of Miami's backyard. Um, I'm excited about Restrepo. Like, that is a guy who I remember watching him. He was at St. Thomas Aquinas as a junior. I can't remember where he was as a freshman and sophomore. It was like a smaller, 
you know, not one of the print, you know, not one of the real powerhouse programs here in South Florida. And I remember watching him play like a Florida fire seven on seven tryout. And I had never really heard of him. Um, he's again, like I said, he was, he wasn't like ranked or anything. And, um, you know, playing at a smaller school and he was like, you know, this little like five, eight, five, nine at the time, Hispanic kid, just like destroying people with, you know, really good footwork and all that. And, and then, I remember the first time I saw him play at St. Thomas Aquinas uh, last year. So this was not, you know, in 2018 when he was a junior. Uh, it was actually against Deerfield Beach. St. Thomas Aquinas destroyed them, and he threw a touchdown on the first play of the game um, <laughs> on, like, a trick play. And he's, he's just a guy who's, like, he's just good. Like, he's just good at football. He's going he's yeah. gonna to help somehow. He's so good at talking, and I, so is Jalen Knighton really – uh, seem older than their years, you know, more yeah. mature, not worried about speaking to the media and, and pl- very pleasant uh, and upbeat and rah-rah and kind of attitude. They have attitudes, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, shout-out to Deerfield Beach. Uh, shout-out to Javon Glenn there. I know, you know, they, they get some crap for flaming out in the playoffs every year, but they put dudes into <laughs> the NFL, into the college ranks in the NFL who are ready to play, and, um, you know, ultimately, if you ask most high school coaches, what their priority is. It's, it's getting guys ready for the next level and all that. And, and Deerfield does that just about as well as anyone in South Florida. Um, so Miami reaping the, reaping the rewards of that. It looks like, uh, going right. into this season. Um, anything else before we finish up here? Uh, no, cause I'm sure there'll be 10 million more I know, things I know. by the time <laughs> we talk next. Week. Yeah. So, uh, to wrap up, it does look like Miami practice today, according to Barry Jackson. Um, of the Herald, a couple of teams, though, definitely Boston College, and I'm sure there will be others did not practice today. So uh, we'll be back next week because there will be certainly more developments in this. And next week, next time we talk, I think will be the last time we talk before the season opener. Because we're, we're getting in a rhythm where we're recording these on Fridays, and the opener is two weeks from uh, you know, is September 10th, which is a, a Thursday. So next time we talk, uh, it'll be our, I guess, Final season preview. It's kind of crazy. Very, very crazy. Yeah, you're, and we don't even know. We don't even know our plan. I mean, as far as covering games. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't know if we're allowed. I mean, I'm sure it's. I would guess we're allowed in the stadium if fans are allowed in. But um, I would think it's probably still Zoom interviews and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we have no idea. But I'm excited to watch some football. You know, there's a game Saturday. Austin P in Central Arkansas in the FCS kickoff. They play Saturday. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. That be fun, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see if it happens. I guess with all these other uh, protests going on, um, be sure to follow Susan on Twitter at smilerdegnan. She has all your uh, daily Hurricanes coverage. You can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, also, be sure to check out all the podcasts we have here on the Herald Sports Podcast Network. Uh, We've got five shows a week now between the Greg Cody show on Mondays. Uh, Jordan McPherson hosted the a inaugural edition of the uh, Fish Bites podcast, our Marlins podcast on Tuesday. We've got Dolphins in Depth Wednesday. We've got Heat Check with myself and Anthony Chang on Thursday. And uh, every Friday we're coming to you with uh, the Eye on the U podcast. Um, and we will uh, talk to you guys next week then. Take care, everyone.